Come with me and you'll hear a podcast of imagination. Imagination because we haven't prepped at all for this. It's just straight from our imaginations. Welcome one and all to uh, Cinema Snorkel. I wanted to say Wonka's Cinema Snorkel, but that would be untruthful. For copyright reasons, we cannot say that. But you are welcome to Normal Cinema Snorkel about... Wonka! Where do we start? Making chocolate, of course. Run away! Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. I guess it's time to change the world. Bumpa, lumpa, dumpa, I'm not in premium economy. Good night, sir. I am going flat. Not Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, not Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. We're rolling it back. It's a prequel, ladies and gentlemen. I bet, here's a prediction, Carlin. The next movie will just be W. <laughs> yeah, that's 1,000% going to happen. W, the origin. <laughs> Shorter title equals more pithy and more... Pithy. Uh, more relevant. Pithy. Relevant. Who do you think is going to be the primary focus of the next... Uh... The Oompa Loompas, obviously. Maybe it would just be called Oompa. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin, what did you like about Wonka 2023, starring our sad Victorian sickly child, Timothy Chalamet? He's so sad, but he's got eyes like a river. I thought this was very a very cheerful movie, and it was very lighthearted. It it took me a little bit to warm up to it. Um, Really? Yeah, I know. You're gonna have you you had a really strong positive reaction to this movie, and I had kind of a mid reaction. So I'm really excited for you to change my mind about it roll reversal yeah you want to go first actually and then i'll and then i'll rain on your parade yeah that's good i'm usually raining on your parade (laughs) i i walked into this movie uh not knowing what to expect because you obviously had your classic 1971 willy wonka and the chocolate factory with gene wilder that has some really intense uh crazy moments right like they're in the boat and remember, he's. I, I went back and watched that scene. He's literally uh-huh. yelling at them at the top of his lungs. Yeah. He's like, the river will be going and yeah. there's no way to win it. And the strobe lights are like flashing. There's really no exaggerating it. It's like, holy crap. Yeah, he's, he's unhinged, man. Unhinged. Okay, who is more unhinged? Uh, Johnny Depp's Willie or... Uh, Gene Wilder's Willie. No, again, I don't think I can call it because I went back and watched a bunch of scenes from the 2005 uh, yep. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Johnny Depp is like an absolute weirdsmobile in that movie. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious, oh, yeah. but he is so much weirder than I remember. Oh, he's even so his weird. voice is like, <laughs> like he just sounds like that the whole movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's weird. So. Getting into this movie, I did not know what to expect, but it surprises mm. you with its wholesomeness. <laughs> yeah. And that's 
That's what I liked. They didn't need to put a lens of cynicism on everything Willy Wonka does to make it interesting. So like Hmm. um, they did this a little bit in the 1971 movie. It's primarily a story about bad children being punished for their wrongdoings by this uh, quasi-sadistic. No, he's not sadistic. Actually, we we need to do what we do and cut it a fair shake, the 1971 version. He's trying to sift through a bunch of bratty cakes to see if he could find a worthy successor who still has childlike innocence and imagination and isn't corrupted by uh, greed, like the seven deadly vices or whatever, like greed or And he doesn't seem to be... He doesn't seem to have much hope. Like from the get go, right. you just think he's he's expecting that all the children are going to be bratty cakes. But turns out, yeah, Charlie Bucket is like this shining ray of goodness, and it takes him, it catches him off guard a little bit. Kind of undoes his cynicism because he's got that famous Charlie. You lose. Yeah, I forgot about that. He's like really mean. He like full on. He's mean. Like gaslights this guy. I mean, that's not the right word, but he like full on starts yelling at him like you. Look, you stole the fizzy drink. You, you know, and and, <laughs> and then does this really big switcheroo. Like that feels kind of psychotic. I found a piece of trivia. Actually, I know, I know, we're talking about the 1971 one, but it's interesting because in the cultural imagination, this is what we have of Willy Wonka so far. Mm-hmm. Gene mm-hmm. Wilder was talking to uh, the director, and he wrote him a letter. He said, "When I first make my entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane, and then walk towards the crowd with a limp." Remember this scene at the very beginning? Yep. He's like, yeah, limping, yeah, yeah. limping. Lumpa, limpa, limpity doo. And he says, my cane sinks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stand straight up. But I keep walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward. And just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. And, the, and why? He said this. From that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. Yeah. So that so Gene Wilder's psyche behind the first Willy Wonka was I'm in a I'm messing with them. The whole movie is about me messing with some people. Right. Right. <laughs> Who richly deserve it. So the the 2000 what was it 2005 Five. it feels way different. There's a couple things that stay the same like Willy Wonka still kind of does the like oh no help with the deadpan. He's like right. somebody help save save them. Right. Like that's the same. <laughs> And he's like, um, I can't hear you when you're mumbling, little boy. <laughs> right. Like, uh, Mike TV will just poke a hole in his logic. And he's like, I'm sorry, you should really speak up because I can't understand you when you're mumbling. <laughs> so savage. <laughs> but it's really satisfying also. But okay, but what would you, the the main difference I think in the 2005 one is now it switches from being about a bunch of bratty little kids that th- get their comeuppance to a sad warped man who needs somebody to show him some love and invite him into his family that's right it's about willy wonka finding of, a family at the end of gene wilder he's like bring your whole family come live in my chocolate factory you unequivocally win right and at the end of um johnny depp he's like you can't bring your family and then charlie bucket goes well then i don't want to come because he has a family that loves him and he's like i'm not willing to give that up for all the chocolate in the world and then they're like let's go meet your dad do you remember this yeah, whole scene? Totally. They go back and meet his dad, who's a dentist, and like restore. And then he finds yes. out his dad does love him, and then that softens his heart. And then he's like, "You can all come live in my chocolate factory." It's about healing family trauma. <laughs> I like Gene Wilder better, but I like that ending of the 2005 movie better. Yeah, 
it's satisfying. It and it's I think it's fair fair play for them to do that. If I was really attached to the Raw Doll story, I'd be like, hey. But I wasn't, yeah. at least in 2005 when I first saw this. So <laughs> to me, it seemed like fair play. Now, Carlin. Yeah, now. Year of our Lord 2023. What would you say the Four. main? Bro, Holy bro, macaroon. Bro. I did it. I did the thing. <laughs> I must go into exile. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too far in the 24 for you to do that. First one of the season. First one of the season. <clears throat> yeah, right. Year of Our Lord 2024. But this movie came out in 2023, okay? so <laughs> But no one saw it in 2023. Everyone saw it in 24. I saw it in 23, so take that. Okay, well, whatever. Whatever. What's the main gist? What's the gist, Carlin, of Wonka 2023? The gist. Let's dive in. Um, Timothy Chalamet is meant to be a Gene Wilder or is he meant to be a Johnny Depp? I think he's meant to be a Timothy Chalamet, which is what threw everyone. Whoa. Okay, say more. He's his own man, people, because this movie got so much negative press ahead of its release. They were like, he doesn't, he can't sing. This isn't good. This is bad. Just get, oh, come on, another walk up, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And to be fair. Haters, am I right? I felt that Gene Wilder-esque cynicism in my heart towards this upstart Wonka 2023. But what I found was it wins you over with wholesomeness. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. It really does. Yeah. And it and it actually is funny, too. Like, there actually are... There were so many times I actually laughed really hard. First of all, Keegan-Michael Key as the cop. I'll never not laugh at Key and Peele stuff. <laughs> Anytime now, either of those dudes are... Although Jordan Peele has a more serious bent sometimes uh, with his filmmaking, but Keegan-Michael yeah, Key no as kidding. the corrupt, uh, ginormous police officer. So funny. They had me right at the beginning with the no daydreaming thing. I was like, the, okay, I'm starting to understand what kind of a movie this is going to be. <laughs> just totally right. unrealistic, but just just roll with it. Just roll with it. And then there was the great, yeah, I mean, right, there right, were so right. many cameos too, like the great British Bake Off guy, Adam. Is it Adam? Oh. Who kept saying oh. they met with an unfortunate accident <laughs> in which they die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those guys were hilarious. The aristocratic uh, whatever. The, the chocolate Funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa uh, was great, although apparently there was some sort uh -huh. of uh, kerfluffle about that ahead of time. I don't actually know the drama. There's got to be. Is it even 2024 if there's no kerfluffle? Got to have some kerfluffle. But what was the... I didn't know about that when I saw the movie. And I liked Hugh Grant as that role. He's a deadpan, like very serious mm -hmm. Oompa Loompa. He's like, I will sing a song so ruinously catchy it may never leave your mind. <laughs> it, it It's dry and sarcastic, but it's not taking a dump on itself. It's like honoring its source material. That's <laughs> very colorful way to put that, Carlin. Thank you for that evocative language. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like sometimes it can be we can be so self-aware that we're like making fun of the source material. Yeah. And it's like you you're we're making fun of the people who actually loved it. In this case, they're like poking fun at it, but they're also going to still do the song. No, I think that's totally right. So Carlin, let's talk about themes. 
our classic question that's kind of the overarching thing is what are the filmmakers trying to say with this movie? And uh, oftentimes we've just been skipping that one or like putting a pin in that and just then going <laughs> straight to the characters and saying, what do the characters go through? What are their journeys? Because it's harder to just absorb a theme in the macro. You get kind of weird yeah. themes that way. Well, well, the theme, the way to understand the theme more often than not is by following the character arc and see what does he learn or how does he change? And that usually will give you a good cue. So Willy Wonka. He moves to a city that's way more expensive than he ever thought it would be. And his dreams, turns out, are not as easy to achieve as he thought they were. Loses all his money in the first day, signs a ridiculous contract for like a quasi-prison laundry <laughs> facility, uh, gets shut out yeah, by the chocolate what? makers. But he holds on to his optimism. Mm -hmm. So it seems like Willy Wonka is the ultimate mm -hmm. idealist, right? Entering a world right. just with literally nothing but a hat full of dreams. Yeah, and a magic suitcase that can make chocolate. It made me really want to eat chocolate. I went home and did eat chocolate, for the record. Now I know. I should have brought chocolate and eaten it during the movie and make it a 4D experience. You should have eaten the chocolate. <laughs> okay. So I think our, part of our struggle with coming up with, like, okay, what did he learn is that this movie is very, very straightforward. It's a very, like, follow your dreams, follow your yeah. dreams, right? So, because Willy Wonka, Persevere. he gets locked in that thing, he fights, he's, like, basically battles his way out to this grand opening of his very own chocolate mm -hmm. store, and then he gets sabotaged, and yeah. people grow weird green hair, and then he's like, yeah. well, crap, because my mom said, you know, his, like, key motivating uh factor is his mom who said every good thing started with a dream so hold on to yours and mm -hmm. when you make chocolate i'll be right there beside you like when you introduce your chocolate yeah. to the world i'm gonna be with you and he felt like that didn't happen because it all went haywire yeah. on his grand opening but willy wonka's story is also tied in with noodle the little girl the little orphan girl who lives at the laundromat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so let's talk about her story a minute because their stories kind of mirror each other. Yeah, that's good. I thought Noodle's uh, story starts with the opposite of idealism. She's an, the ultimate pragmatist. She's like, read the fine print. She's very pragmatic. That's just her orphan syndrome. <laughs> so demeaning. That's funny. <laughs> it's just your orphan syndrome uh. talking. <laughs> Yikes. When he gives her chocolate for the very first time, she takes a bite. It's that like storm chocolate, which is cool, but it doesn't work on her because after she eats the chocolate, she gets kind of sad, actually. And she says, I wish I wish you hadn't done that. And he's like, why? Yeah. And she says, now every day I don't eat chocolate will be harder. Oh, yeah. So we get right off the bat kind of a interplay between idealism and pragmatism, kind of a cynicism towards the world to protect yourself. And I think the central question right. the filmmakers are asking is, should we hold on to those ideals even though we might get hurt in the process? So Willie, maybe, he doesn't have a problem holding on to those ideals. Um, but when his dream gets ruined and the store gets destroyed, he's not able to bounce back from that right, right, right away. Whereas Noodle, what, is, what does Noodle need to learn? She needs to realize there are people in the world who actually do love you unselfishly. And it's okay to trust them mm. because her whole life mm. has been one big letdown, disappointment, setback, people using her. Yeah. She's never been wanted. She's yeah, never felt right. wanted. 
right? And oh, but Willy Wonka comes oh. along and and changes it for the everyone in the laundromat sweatshop by uh, introducing just a little bit of humanity, right? And by yeah. by treating them well and by by lifting them up with his dreams. Pretty straightforward. I don't. Here's the thing: with some movies, they're trying to be complex, like anything. Christopher Nolan directs, you know, we're going to be peeling back the layers. Other movies, other stories are really simple, but that doesn't make them less powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. We could look at this plot and be like, yeah, straightforward, idealism versus pragmatism. Do you lose your dreams? Mm-hmm. Like, you could see that coming mm-hmm. the whole time. But there, I think, Carlin, it still delivers some pretty profound moments. So walk us to the climax moment of the movie. They break into the the church right they're trying to get that green ledger which the bad guys have conveniently written down everything bad they've ever done just so they can go back and reminisce about it i guess like remember when we defrauded that you know little orphan girl we wrote that down in the book too well it's fine as long as you don't leave it laying around when your lawyers you know snooping around (laughs) right oops they did that's that's the main thing i'm so glad they did (laughs) So they go on the heist. They recover the book. They almost drown in chocolate. Almost drown in chocolate. But then the Oompa Loompa saves them. And finally, Willy Wonka is ready to open his original Willy Wonka chocolate bar that his mom packed him, that he's been holding on to that whole time. That got me. I did not know. I I totally wasn't tracking. I was like, oh, he's got this chocolate bar. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. His mom. His his mom mom made that lovingly. I'm a golden ticket. Right. His mom says, the secret is, it's not the chocolate that matters, it's the people you share it Aww. with. Touching, isn't it? Quite touching. That moved me. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I wasn't moved by that in the movie theater. That was really sweet. Like, what do you think that message meant to him? Like, was it kind of like he, he had to learn that for himself before he believed it? I feel like he always knew it. Right. Because what you love about Willy Wonka's personality is he genuinely cares about others he doesn't really have a flaw, does he? His flaw is that he's tempted to give up when it's all hopeless. His idealism gets crushed. Yeah, but, you know, I feel like this one is definitely aimed at a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's an overly complex character, but he goes on a yeah. relatable journey of feeling like he's up against impossible odds. But And mostly, mostly Noodle's the one that changes. Right. Because Willy Wonka is kind to people, people are there to pick him up when he is down, Hmm. right? And so to me, I think that's where the movie is saying that the people who are with you, if you invest in the people, your product is going to be good. Which he has been doing. He just maybe didn't recognize the value of it until he needed needed them to, to pick him up. Exactly. Aside from that, I don't know if there were any... Super deep, profound. I mean, we could talk about the police inspector and resisting temptation, right? Yeah, right. Again, so straightforward. He didn't resist Mm -hmm. temptation and he met with a bad end. His misdeeds were exposed. One thing I didn't love was it felt sometimes like the chocolate was meant to be like a very heavy metaphor for drugs. Like or that's kind of how they treated right, it. Right, like, right. All these dirty deals and like they're selling to the the priest in the confessional. Not my favorite, but whatever. There's Just enough kidding. whimsy that it didn't feel like too gross to me. In the first two movies, chocolate kind of represents like um, it's kind of this wealth uh like like the rich kids you just buy a bunch of chocolate and they just throw it away but charlie bucket 
knows the value of a chocolate bar. And I distinctly remember reading when I read this in middle school um, that Roald Dahl describes Charlie making his one bar a year last the whole year. Yeah. Like he knows how to, he takes a little nibble and he knows how to make a chocolate bar um, like last. And then that's why it's even more meaningful when he chooses to share his, his birthday chocolate with his family. And he breaks off a little piece and gives it to all his little grandparents. Right. And it's like this sacrificial. So when, when you have something so sweet and so good, the chocolate is more valuable to people who don't have very much. Right. So that's just saying something about greed. In the first one, it always bugged me a little bit that they treat chocolate like a meal. Like Charlie's so hungry. <laughs> and so he buys yeah. a chocolate bar. You're like, no, bro. Buy some potatoes or just something. I'm begging you, don't buy chocolate. Yeah, right. But that's kind of that's kind of part of the whimsy of it, right? It's not practical. The only value of chocolate, in fact, in too much, it's fattening. But the only value of chocolate is that it's like this little bit of magic in the world. Just it's only for sweetness. It's only for fun. That's what candy is. Candy is like your childhood innocence. You know. I think you're totally onto something there. Like the chocolate is its own. You got to analyze that. You got to analyze the chocolate, right? The chocolate's like its own character. Yeah. And oh, it goes snap. Through... Oh, wait a minute. What? Oh. What? Wiki, what? <laughs> Extract the meaning. And then in the second one, there's, to be honest, the themes, I mean, it's directed by Tim Burton. So what do you expect? Like yeah. it's going to have those kind of macabre, like just weird elements, but it totally represents a darker childhood where, because remember, uh, Young Willy Wonka in the 2005 one is in this enormous, like, cruel headgear. Yeah. That's like a torture device, almost. It it's looks horrible. like it. They're totally evoking yeah, that. He... And he sneaks some chocolate and his dentist dad is, like, so cruel and, and awful to him. You know what I mean? Lollipop. <laughs> right. Christopher Lee. <laughs> He's so intimidating. <laughs> right. So it's like a different twist on that. It It's like the forbidden happiness that mm -hmm. Willy Wonka was never allowed to have. So then he grows up to be this kind of Neverland-esque kid who just never grows up because mm -hmm. he's hurting for a family. Contrast Christopher Lee to um, Helena Bonham Carter right? as Mrs. Bucket and Mr. Bucket. In the 2005, she's so lovely in that. She's so kind yeah. and welcoming. And, and even though all they have is cabbage and cabbage, they're like, they're so excited to give Charlie his one gift. Right. They're willing to sacrifice. Everyone's willing to make sacrifices for each other right. because they value Charlie having a, a childhood moment. Right. Now in this new one, I would just say chocolate represents almost like the spark of imagination and like extra bit of wonder in the world, like not losing those mm. pure ideals, like holding on to mm -hmm. them, right? And the bad chocolatiers, they just want to exploit chocolate. They just want to put it all in a big vault and then use it to make people do what they want. And I think that rings a bell because it's real. Like when we think about sometimes the way that corporations tend to depersonalize everything without getting too political, we all recognize the downfall of corporations at times is that they become these huge megalithic things that don't actually care about you, but they want to seem like they do. So they depersonalize the wonder and they mass produce it. And there's something soul destroying about that that we all feel in the background at times. So maybe that's a good way to transition into our, our third point, which is what do you think a Christian worldview says about themes in Wonka? 
you know, a simple story like this deals with big themes, even if it doesn't deal with them super complexly. Those themes are real mm -hmm. and we all feel them. Like, I would say, mm -hmm. regardless of how d deep or shallow this movie is, it reminds us of the ways that all of us struggle with maintaining our childlike wonder and our good ideal ideals and our good ideals, like believing that the world has goodness in it in the face of mm -hmm. so much cruelty and injustice. That's a real struggle. Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. this movie does say something about it and it is worth paying attention to. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a fairy tale, like the, the extra plot, it can change whatever, but the heart of it resonates like deep in the human spirit for some reason. Absolutely. Why it doesn't actually need to be that complicated because it's true. Right. If it's saying something true, then the bells and whistles are fun add-ons. Right. Um, What's the biggest way in your life, Carlin, you struggle with holding on to that wonder and that belief in goodness mm. versus cynicism? How do you see that playing oh. out for you? We all have an area in our lives, probably more than one, where it can be pretty bleak sometimes. Um, I think oftentimes I'm very depressed by like relationships between men and women. Mm. That can be uh, like in areas of sexuality that can be really uh, corrupt. So many things are like that. Um, if you lift up the rock of human nature, you're going to find all kinds of corruption for me, like when I look at history, virtually anyone I've admired through history has a dark side, Ooh, right? Yeah, that's tough. If you look mm -hmm. hard enough, you're totally going to find it. <clears throat> and I wrestle with that because we need heroes. We actually do need right. to look up to people. Um, it's healthy for us to do that developmentally and just morally. It's good for our souls to have people we admire. Otherwise, we're the center of our own <laughs> universe and we and we know the truth about ourselves so that doesn't work out so well so you just become a cynic mm -hmm. right i think we all need a framework for wrestling with the ways that we expect the world to be full of goodness mm. and we need a framework for dealing with our disappointment when we realize it's actually not that way despite our deepest right. intuitions that all people through all time have shared we expect there to be fairness and goodness and we wake up mm. one day to realize, hey, you stole my bicycle. You know, or like, I remember I got, I was a kid and I got ripped off. The neighbor kids uh, made me trade my rare Pokemon for just some crap because I was too young. I actually didn't know where to find out where the rare or uncommon, I was kind of a dumb kid, but I, but they took advantage of me. You were a dreamer. You were a dreamer. They stole my Pokemon cards. And you realize, like, <laughs> hang on a second. You know, like the yeah. world is unkind and unfair. Yeah. Oh, gosh. If you've ever been the victim of a crime, my car got keyed one time. And I was like, but I'm a nice person. Who would key my car? It's a right. Prius. Right. Who would key a Prius? <laughs> I'm just reminded of uh, a famous book written by Francis Schaeffer, which mm. is How Then Shall We Live? He was awesome. He was like a hippie philosopher. He did this yeah. uh, fellowship in uh, the Swiss mountains called Le Brie. And you could just go uh -huh. there and stay, I think for free, I don't really know, but you could just go and talk about the deep questions of life because he was longing for depth in a shallow world and he mm -hmm. created this sanctuary where people wrestling with God and life and huge questions could go and just rest. Yeah. 
and be among like-minded people. It was so cool. His book was called How Then Shall We Live? And the point being, like, confronted by the hopelessness of the universe, how are we supposed to live, right? And, and, mm. and to answer that question, you have to drill it down to the deepest roots of what's ultimately true about reality. We talk mm. about this a lot on the show. I don't think Wonka has that kind of explicit philosophical substrata, but they are drawing mm -hmm. on human intuitions about mm -hmm. the world. And what is their answer seems to be what? People? Goodness is worth it. Investing in people is worth it. And not just because they pick you up uh, when you fall down, but also just because people are the most wonderful part of existence. It's actually not about the chocolate. Huh. It's about the yeah. joy that it brings people. And Willy Wonka wow. understands that. And no one else really understands that. But he's able to bring that piece of truth, actually. Right. And that truth wakes everybody up. And they're all excited then about the opportunity right. to... Even this is so stupid, but like even the guy who uh, is afraid to ask his girlfriend to marry him, remember, and he gets that little piece of chocolate. Yeah. It's like, well, no, I can, you know, <laughs> and it's like, OK, that's like yeah. sensational marketing. But if 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 it were true, then the chocolate really is helping people kind of live their dreams. Right. OK. And then furthermore, Noodle, who doesn't have a mom or a dad and then her friends help her. They search all over. They find out her true identity. And it turns out she's not actually an orphan. She still has her mother alive and they track her down. And there's that sweet scene at the end where she just runs into her arms. And I think it's still tempting to take a cynical view and say, oh, well, you know, it works great in a storybook. But I actually think that theme of like finding out that you're not an orphan um, and there's someone that loves you is actually a deep Christian truth. And it's true on a spiritual level, even if it's never true in the physical world. Yes. You might you might be an orphan whose parents really are dead. Hmm. But there's this sense of finding out that you are actually more loved than you could ever possibly imagine. Hmm. And that is like, it's kind of right. It's true. Yeah. We actually belong to a God who loves us like a father loves a child. Right. No, that's so true. And th and really, at the end of the day, there is goodness at the core of reality, something that no amount of evil can actually unmake because God is mm. good. God sees your pain. He sees your suffering. He cares about it. And he actually yeah. has, in the grand scheme of everything, a plan to restore the world back to that state of goodness that it was designed for. So like Christianity meets us every step along the way. It explains why mm. we expect the world to be something other than a purposeless, yeah. endless struggle between just mm -hmm. power and survival, right? We expect something more than that. And why would we? Like, if we're just products of evolution, then we should expect certain death. <laughs> right. So it helps us there. It explains our initial idealism. It explains the fall. It explains cynicism and where everything's gone wrong. And actually, people who are too idealistic need to take a minute and uh, and let themselves experience the pain of others through empathy so that we're not just writing off people who feel cynical because, you know, like if your life's been so great up to this point, you need to take a minute and empathize with the pain of others. It meets yeah. us there uh, and it meets us with redemption. No matter how dark it gets, a world in which there's a God gives us a reason to hope because mm. he can redeem us. It's still worth investing in people, warts and all, right. because they bear the image of God. So yeah. I think you're so right. Like the focus of Wonka on relationship 
is huge. But I was also going to say this, Carlin, the, uh, the love of chocolate as just a superfluous good in the world that's full of whimsy, that's actually not pragmatic. Uh-huh. It's a really amazing impulse that I think points us to the truth about reality as well. Because when you look at how God made everything, he put into uh-huh. the world so much abundant beauty that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Right? Think right. of all the stars and galaxies we've never seen and we'll never see. Yeah. They're tucked away somewhere in the far side of the galaxy. Like we can't observe them, but they're right. there. And they're radiant. Right. They're gorgeous, right? Uh-huh. C.S. Lewis talked about for every one student who needs to be guarded from a weak excess of sensibility, right? They're too romantic. Uh-huh. Calm down. There mm-hmm. are three who need to be wakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. Ooh. It's from his book, The Abolition of Man. He's like, actually, we need to be woken up from just that pragmatic lifestyle that says it's all about survival. We need to recognize beauty and say, beauty is a real core value in existence, and it's okay to just appreciate it. Right. It's like a part of God's character. It's, it's It's so dear to him, and it's woven into the fabric of reality, and it's extra. It is extra. Like it doesn't do it doesn't do anything pragmatic whatsoever. It just exists for his pleasure and for us to experience with him. A cynic will say, "No, it, it is about pragmatism. These systems evolved to um, right. to create something pragmatic, right?" And that's interesting. I mean, we could we could debate biology, which I wouldn't be good at, but just the core philosophy of life for materialist evolution has to reduce everything to pragmatism. You have to find the pragmatic angle to everything, literally everything. Mm-hmm. Your mother loves mm-hmm. you. Well, that's a survival mechanism, right? Whereas Christianity right. can say, yes, there probably is a pragmatic angle to many of the things we find beautiful, but then sometimes the beauty is allowed to just be superfluous. Yeah. Like it's allowed to just be nice and aesthetically pleasing. But it can be it can be both without dismissing the truth of beauty. We don't need to reduce it to pragmatism, right? Well, Carlin, that was a lot of meaning we managed to extract from Wonka. We snorkeled. We snorkeled right into that movie. But the reason why we do this is because stories tell us they mirror something true about life, almost mm. no matter what the story is. Even the most badly written or just simplistic little micro story, people pay attention because it's it's always talking about the main questions we ask as human beings. So it's worth tuning into. Well, it is a uniquely human thing. Like animals, guess guess what? Animals don't tell stories. I don't know if you know that, but they don't. I don't believe you. Sometimes they do. Some animals can talk, but they don't tell stories. Like parrots, when they talk, they're really just repeating sounds that they've heard they're not actually talking you know as someone who just rewatched home alone 3 the one that came <laughs> after macaulay culkin you know there's oh. like a new kid you watched that i did <laughs> and there's a parrot that uh is a sentient being <laughs> the most unrealistic thing of that whole story is that the parrot is a sentient being who doesn't just parrot one or two lines of dialogue It talks. It says things. It has lines. It's its own character. And no one seems to be disturbed by that. So can we talk about that? That's such a trope, though. Like, that's a trope because the parrot in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean says stuff. And you're like, wait, is it just saying? Why is it saying that? It's aware. No, he trained the parrot to talk for him. But it's what I I really was actually trying to say a a real point. And that is that. Animals can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) 
humans make sense of the world in stories like that's how we view our histories totally. that's how we communicate with each other we're not data transfer machines right. we're not computers that's why um you know artificial intelligence is trying 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 to be a storytelling machine but it can't all it can do is be a computer which is data transfer right. at ridiculously fast rates right but it's oh, it's a uniquely human thing. So stories matter. Stories matter. Well, Case, should we do a song and dance as we are want to do at the end of many episodes? Our listeners can't <laughs> tell, but I have been dancing this entire time. I've been doing the Oompa Loompa dance. Yeah, it's been kind of weird, actually. Why are you doing that? I, once I start dancing, I can't stop. Thanks for listening, guys. When you say that you listen to our podcast, it really means a lot, and it, it makes my day. <laughs> Not mine. I want more! <laughs> Just kidding. Bye. Yeah.